he calls us to be close. He says, draw near. As he draws near to us, he invites us to draw near to him. Then when we get this larger story of how this is all his initiative, we realize that he does not reluctantly invite us to draw near, nor does he reluctantly come near to us. This is his very desire. This is his inclination. This is what he wants to do. And of, of course, we can we can be belligerent children and incorrigible children who want to go our own way, yet the desire of God is to be close to his people. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Ed Welch. Ed is a counselor and faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. He's been counseling for more than 35 years and has written extensively on the topics of depression, fear, and addiction. His most recent book is called Created to Draw Near, Our Life as God's Royal Priests, published with Crossway. Today, Ed and I discuss the human need for relationship, both with God and with other people. He reflects on the epidemic of loneliness in our world today, what the Bible teaches us about our identity as priests unto God, and offers advice for the person who feels God is distant or even perpetually frustrated with them. Let's get started. Ed, thank you so much for joining us today on the Crossway Podcast. It's, it's really a pleasure to be with you, Matt. So I think there's been a lot of uh, studies over the last few years, uh, and even in the last year or so, related to loneliness and um, increasing rates of loneliness and depression among, among people in the U.S. And I think people have connected that to things like social media and uh, other factors about our busy, digital, connected lives that, that have maybe exacerbated that. But I'm just wondering, as, as a counselor, meeting with people on a regular basis, talking with them, teaching other people how to counsel um, people in their lives, have you seen this trend, this, this increase in loneliness and feelings of isolation and depression in terms of the conversations you've been having? Yeah, I don't think we need studies to, to necessarily point us in that direction. We, we can know those things from our own experience and from our own conversations. Uh, for example, conversations I've had with neighbors over the years who, who say they've moved into, into the area. They know no one in the area, and they are frantically trying to find some way to connect. There are, there are websites that can connect you if you want to date, but if you, if you have a family and you're alone, there's, there, there, there are no websites that connect you to like-minded families or larger organizations. So, so we can talk to our neighbors and, and we have that experience. I can, I can look at my own life. I'm married and been married for a number of years. I enjoy my wife. <laughs> one, of the, one of the features of, of our relationship is I learned early on that my wife cannot leave me for longer than 10 days or I leave her for longer than 10 days because I start to get physically sick if she does. Mm, and, wow. and what is it? It's, I, I have a community. I have a, I have a church community that it is, is such a rich community. But... But when there's that loss of that, that primary person in my life, I, I experience it emotionally as, as a loss. But not only do I experience it emotionally, my body, my body rebels and, and says, I, I reject this particular isolation and she must come back. It seems like some of the things that I've been reading recently indicate that this loneliness epidemic, as is often phrased, is 
is really worse, maybe more pronounced, not exclusively so, but more pronounced among men and young men in particular. Um, what do you think's behind that? Why, why are men struggling in this regard maybe more acutely than most women would be? Certainly, when you, when you listen to women speak with one another, there, there does tend to be a fairly natural sharing of lives and, and oftentimes a natural compassion where someone speaks and they share something difficult and, and there's a response of care and compassion. In, in men's conversations, when you, when you hear your own male conversations, if you're a male, you overhear other men's conversations and, and they are of a different quality. A man is not going to be speaking of something especially difficult in his life. And if he happens to, to, to venture just a little something of the troubles of his life, it will rarely be met with compassion. So the, the question you're asking is why might that be? I don't know why that is, but, but certainly it seems to be an observation that, that, goes, that, that goes through cultures, not simply our particular culture, but you go to other cultures and you find the same phenomena. Men are, perhaps there's something about weakness in sharing things that are hard. And, and we, we, are, we are unskilled at speaking about weakness. For those of us in the church, perhaps we think we're not authorized to, to speak of our weakness. Hmm. How, much of, how much of this issue would you say is related to just the rise of the internet and social media in particular that that sort of I think there it seems like there was this early day when we were all naive about social media and, and kind of believed the promise that it would connect us more deeply to people that we in our normal everyday lives face to face wouldn't really have a chance to interact with as much it kind of keep us closer to our relatives and friends living living far away but it seems like there's a growing awareness that it might actually be doing the opposite, exacerbating our loneliness. Um, do you think there's any truth to that? Have you noticed that in your own life or in the lives of those uh, you're counseling? Yeah, that's a great question. Are there possibilities in social media uh, or digital technologies for meaningful connection? I, I, think, I think it's possible, but, but um, it doesn't seem like it's happening yet, certainly. So, so indeed, what you, what, you know, what you're identifying, Matt, is is we have a problem. It's not a new one. It it, it seems more palpable. We're we're more aware of it than than we were before. Not always sure what to do with it. Um, and and one of the things that Scripture does is is it, it Scripture stands ready to to say, well, let me let me tell you let me tell you a story about that. <laughs> And, and if loneliness is something that we experience, then, then we, are, we, are, we are primed to be able to hear some of the greatest stories of Scripture. Scripture is just, just waiting and enveloping us and inviting us in. Well, and speak to that a little bit more, because I think we see, whether it's from psychological perspectives or biological perspectives, social perspectives, but also from from Scripture itself and from a distinctly Christian theological perspective, we seem to be wired for relationship uh, with other people and, and ultimately with God. Speak to um, where we see that in Scripture and, and what the, the real significance of relationship is for, for human life and human flourishing. Uh, of course, everybody's aware of this. The, the creation story, it has us on the edge of our seat. It's a very short account. 
and so everything is important and and you hear the lord saying it's good that's good that's good that's good and and i i think the the first it's not good is when it identifies you know a human being as being alone so that that's you know that the fact that that's identified so early in scripture we are what scripture's doing it's it's saying watch this theme unfold this is this is the nature of humanity so that's the that's the overt place where we can we can move into scripture you know, that's that's a clear door uh, the the less clear door but but in some ways even richer and 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 more primary is 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 when is when the Lord introduces the garden to us and and he walked with his people in the garden. The, the picture there is heaven and earth have met and, and this is the house of God on earth. And this is what God does. This is, this is his created intent that, that we would be with him. And and what, what's evoked, obviously, in Genesis is that walk. And that might not be evocative of close relationship for, for all of us, but I'll speak personally. For me, the, when, when I think of intimacy with my wife, I, other than sexual intimacy, I think, of, I, think of two, I think of two locations. One would be a meal together where a meal you're you're not doing anything else you're not preoccupied you're you're occupied with the person who you're speaking with so no other distractions there's something there's something very personal and intimate about a, a good meal with someone you love the other would be let's go for a walk and and certainly i, I know in my relationship with my wife it, it 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 does have those edenic overtones where where we are where we are knowing each other we are we are focused on one another, but then we have that added, that, that added, that added feature where in a meal it's food that adds a certain beauty to what you're doing. A walk creation adds adds that beauty. It's just this, this ideal background for intimacy. So those are the places where we see it unfold, and that, that's they're the introductions. They're the doors into the fact that we are not alone. But the the one I like about the garden is. Is, is the Lord is saying to us, here's, here's, here's your design. Your design is that you would be close to me and, in, 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 and that would be your primary relationship. And, and, and this being the primary prototypic relationship, if you will, this is, going to, this is going to have its analogies in your other human relationships. And so then how, how would you say that the... This seems like the story kind of culminates in some ways in uh, the gospel, as you've said, in in Christ bringing us back to God through Himself, and in this this marriage, this its ultimate picture of intimacy that we have with Christ. Uh, can you kind of explain how that fits into the broader theme of intimacy with God? If I could take sort of the slow version of of getting there, one of the things I I really have appreciated over the last few years. Is is how the the role that God gives us as priest, which sounds a bit, <laughs> frankly, it sounds a little bit boring on the on, on the surface of it. Not to mention exclusive. It's for old men with gray beards. Um, that particular role is is 
is a prominent one in scripture. If indeed the, the garden was a tabernacle, then, then we are children priests unto the Lord. And, and, and so then as we follow this story, the, the, the Lord is committed to bringing his house to the earth and, and it's evidenced in the tabernacle in the wilderness and then, then the Jerusalem temple. And, and, and what is it? It, it, it? He's saying to us that, that I want to teach you and make, it, make my house available to you. I want to show you how you can come in to my house. And so what do we do? We, we, we see his house, we see the tabernacle, we, we see, the, we see the, the, the walls, the skins that, that uh, what, seven, eight foot high or so. We come to the entrance and, and we, can, we can sort of make out the, the, the structure that looks very much like our own tents but we have to go through the altar. We, you have to pass the altar to be able to, to come closer that our sins have separated us from him. And the Lord is saying that we all know that that's the problem, but when he invites you to his house, he, he, will, he will be the one to, he will be the priest who deals with our sins. And, and so then you move, then you move farther in and you have the laver, which, which is, which is, is sort of evoked in John sh- chapter 13 with Jesus washing the disciples' feet, where wash your hands and your feet. Uh, it's, it's sort of this, it's sort of uh, freshening up, if you will, before, before we move into God's house. And then we're invited further and further in. So it, that role of, of a priest, it, 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 again, it sounds exclusive at first until we recognize that the job description for the peace for the priest was come further in further in further in and and on one hand you have only one priest who can go further in once a year into the holy of holies on the other hand you have you have the books of moses say you are a treasured possession you are a nation of priests and the question is does is it a nation that has priests in it or or is the entire nation a nation of priests? And, and I, I think as you get the gist of the Old Testament, clearly it's not just the priests because Moses was an, an Aaronic priest and he obviously met with the Lord. And the Passover, which, which preceded the, 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 priestly, the priestly roles in the, in the Old Testament wilderness, it was done in your home. Every, every, you, the, you were priests who who essentially presented a sacrifice and the Lord would, would hover over you, which is another way of saying he would, he would, he would pause and bring life to that home. Uh, so it's very much of a priestly setting. So, so the, the tradition in the Old Testament that gets to the new is, is we are priests unto the Lord. And, and the, the priestly task, it, it, is, it, is, it is funneled into a particular ironic group for a period, because it's ultimately going to be culminated in the person of Christ. And then when it gets to Christ, it becomes redistributed to us all. And we are all invited into the Holy of Holies. We are, we're even, we're even stones that, that make the Holy of Holies. Now to, to move into the, the, the bridal imagery that you speak of, I think it's Exodus 28, where you, you read along and and it's it's startling. The words dignity and honor 
I think for the first time are applied to human beings. And it says, make, make these garments for the priests and it will, give, it will give dignity and honor to the person who wears it. And these are, these are obviously, they're, they're, the Lord, Lord himself is the designer of, of these particular garments and they are exquisite. They're just, they're these beautiful garments. The, the clothing motif, if you will, is, is now begun in earnest in scripture. And as you follow the, those priestly garments, they, they, you know, they, they, they go through a few different alterations. In Isaiah, they, they have a little bit of a warrior kind of look to them, uh, but they are on the move. We are, they are, our priestly role is going to develop. And, and as, we, as we move on, they, they ultimately morph, if you will, into, into, these, into these bridal garments, which, which, which continue that priestly tradition. We are, you know, when, when you wear priestly garments, it means you are invited close to the Lord. And, and now, now the picture is, 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 is being fulfilled in, in perhaps the most profound intimacy that we're aware of, the intimacy of a husband and wife. But what I'm suggesting is, is the, the, pref, the priestly dressing of Exodus chapter 28 is the precursor. The whole idea of a priest can feel a little bit foreign to us. I think that can conjure in our minds um, Roman Catholicism and sort of some of the things that the reformers perhaps were rebelling against, saying, you know, all Christians are, are priests, kind of related to what you're saying now. But even as we think about the Old Testament, uh, the idea of a priest can just, uh, I think it, there's also something cultural about it and, you know, related to our moment today and how we just generally think about God. We think of God as someone that we can very easily approach and um, he, he's just going to forgive us. He's, he's a kind, loving. That's just kind of the broader cultural view of God. And so I think the idea of a priest being a necessary intermediary almost can feel like we're set apart from God, we're divided from God. But you're kind of saying that when you take a perspective from the Old Testament, a perspective from what the Bible actually tells us about ourselves, uh, priests were uh, were there to help bring us to God, to draw us closer to God, uh, and and let us enter into His house. They were they were mediators in, in a sense. They, but they were also representatives. Where when the priest went into the holy of holies, the priests were us. He, we were we we were represented in different in, in at least two different ways on the priestly robes. So so in that sense, he's not so much a mediator. He is, he is standing for us all, looking forward to the day when it wouldn't be just jewels on, on his ephod that represented us. We would, we would actually be in there with him. I think what you're, what you're raising is, is a question, if indeed a, one of the, the most prominent roles that we as human beings live out is the role of the priest, if that's true, then, then why does it seem to disappear from the New Testament era? And and I think there are, there are various reasons for that. Um, the the priests are you know, the, the the priests as a as a whole seem to be a fairly antagonistic group to to Jesus, and there may might have been some other reasons. So you only have probably a handful of references, uh, and Peter Peter seems to like them. We are a royal priesthood, and and we are priests unto the Lord. So you see those. 
but but what the New Testament does is is rather than use the the name priest with its with its more gender exclusive implications, we we are now called saints, which is really the the essence of being a, a priest. The a saint is a holy one, and a holy one is in 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 in, in the Jewish way of making distinctions. The you are unclean or you are clean or you are holy and. And they're all distances from the Lord. The unclean were the farthest away. The clean could come closer, but but the holy were the were that was the group that uniquely belonged to the Lord. Uh, they were the ones who said, "My God," and 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 so what the New Testament does is is it replaces the word priest with the the real essence of being a priest, which is we are holy ones. That's that's what that's what a saint means and. And that seems to be our our predominant role that that goes throughout the epistles. I think I think sixty or more times we are identified as saints. Yeah, and I'm struck by uh, what the author of Hebrews says in in chapter six about Christ being our high priest and um, having gone into that holy of holies uh, in the inner place behind the curtain uh, and and having offered a sacrifice once for all. So. It is interesting to see that that priest idea culminate in Jesus, and then we, in connection to him, are, as as you mentioned, Peter saying, are uh, a nation of priests. And, and, and so, what does that mean? We primarily it means that we follow our holy, the the the, the high priest. We follow him beyond the veil into into his the very inner apartment of his house, and and we have fellowship with him. But you are you're also Matt sort of hinting at one of the one of the perks of the of the uh, the priestly role, where the priests were the ones who were were given direction to bless the people. And I'm thinking of Numbers chapter six. Uh, it's the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord you know, turn His face to you and be gracious to you. And Lord turn His face to you and and and, and give you peace. That uh, that is. That is one of the premier features of the priestly job description. So, so what do we do? We we move in, we nestle in close, we we have a meal with our God. We know intimacy that 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 extends beyond what we could imagine. We are we are now in Christ, and and we are drawn into the very triune God Himself. So we are drawn in closer than we can imagine, and 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 obviously in that closest, it's not. It's not just us individually in Christ. It's us, us in Christ individually and corporately. We are we are united with each other, so we're drawn in. But at the same time, the the priestly the priestly role is now sending us out into the world. And and the word blessing, there's something we speak life. That's that's our job. And and so what do we do? We speak the good news. We the, the gospel is good news, it's life. And so we have this privilege of being able to, as, as those who have gone into the Holy of Holies, we can, we can speak life to, to those who, who, who know of it and we can invite them to come further in. We can speak life to, to those who, who never dreamed that life was possible and invite them in. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's so beautiful. Um... You've used the word intimacy a number of times in reference to uh, our relationship with God and what we were created to do. 
Um, and I think for, for many of us, that word might carry certain connotations to it. It seems like, as you already referenced, uh, one of the, the dominant contexts for talking about intimacy is sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. And I, I sometimes wonder if that kind of, that's the primary way we think about it. But why do you think that word is important? And, and what do you mean by that word when it comes to talking about our relationship to God? You're catching me. I didn't know I used intimacy that often, um, and and if I use it, it's it, it it probably for me is a marital analogy because I don't think I, I was married a little bit later. I was married when I was 26, and in the personal experience of intimacy, it was foreign to me until until I had a growing relationship with my wife. So that's probably. I probably am relying on on a marital image when I say intimacy, but but since this is so important, it doesn't depend on any particular word. People talk about fellowship. People talk about communion, and 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 probably the 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 imagery that I think of more self consciously is, is 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 distance. The the distance imagery where where he is the one who says to us, come closer, come closer, come closer. No, closer yet, <laughs> come closer. Uh, it's, it's more you know, those who are far away, they're, they're brought near and, and near than we possibly imagine. So, so that's, you know, and there, there are other ways we could do it. Um, but but I, I, that I think is an image that, that is, is reflected th- throughout scripture. And, and it's a it's an image that has that has captured me. And maybe put it this way, that that he calls us to be close. He says, "Draw near." Is is he draw nears to us? He invites us to draw near to him. And 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 then then when we get this larger story of of how this is all his initiative, we realize that he does not reluctantly invite us to draw near, nor does he reluctantly come near to us. This is. This is his very desire. This is this is his inclination. This is this is what he wants to do. And and of, of course we can we can be belligerent children and incorrigible children who want to go our own way. Uh, yet 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 the desire of God is to be close to His people. That has been that has been the heart of 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 of, of, of this this larger study for me that. That has been so encouraging that that the Lord wants me close. He he delights in in us being close to Him and He being close to us. It is His very will. It's 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 His intention. Hmm. Yeah. Are there are are there moments from your life when you think you've had to uh, relearn that, or that you've struggled to believe that? That God does want you close personally, despite all of your flaws and sins. I'm trying to think: is there is there a day I don't need that? I I I would, I would say I'm just sort of. I, I think I'm probably fairly normal on this, where where my weaknesses, my failures, my sins, my my lukewarmness, my uh, as as reading reading first Peter uh, first Peter chapter one and and that that wonderful almost poetic introduction that he has though you though you haven't seen him you love him 
And, and he talks about us being filled with exceeding joy as we are receiving the, the very goal that we had, the, the, the rescue of our souls being rescued and joined, joined to the Lord. There are, you know, I, I can read that and, 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 and see that is, 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 does my love measure up to Peter's and, and others? And, and I, I, I just, I'm, I don't know all my faults and sins by any means, but boy, I don't have to know many of them to, to, to get a pretty keen sense that, that, that why would a human being want to be close to me? rather than more, and how, why would the Holy God want to be close? So, so I would say for me, this is, this, is a, this is a refreshing daily reminder. So what advice would you offer to a Christian listening right now who, if he or she was being totally honest, would have to admit that God feels pretty distant right now? And maybe they, they even think that he's probably perpetually frustrated with them, if not downright angry with them, and they believe the gospel, but they just, they feel distant. Uh, what, what would you say to that person? Some of the Psalms come immediately mind to mind. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To, I would say, welcome to the human experience that we can feel, we can feel very far from the Lord. Jesus Christ can feel far from his Father. He, he obviously, he, he cites that particular Psalm. So, so speak to him. Speak to him about, just tell him what is on your heart. And, and, and then, but don't stop there. At some point, move into the very psalm itself, whether it's Psalm 22 or the, the forgotten psalms. There are, you know, there are two or three of them that are easy to move into. As, as, the, as we follow the psalmist, they, they move us to a knowledge of the God who has made promises, the God who who is faithful even when we're faithless and the God who comes close. So, so speak, speak your own words to the Lord. And, and then if you're stuck at that point and you don't know where to go, then, then ride the coattails of the psalmists and let them, let them move you to, to speaking about your God. And, and then, and then, then to simply pray, Lord, if this is all true, Lord, if, if, if this is indeed our design, if, this, if, if you have created me to come close and you draw near, teach me, <laughs> teach me, show me, open my eyes so, so I can see these things. That's, what do we do? We start talking to the Lord. That's, that's the way to begin. Ed, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast and for just sharing a little bit about what God has been teaching you through his word and through the Old Testament in particular about what we were made for, that we were made for this closeness to God. And um, yeah, it was very encouraging and appreciate you taking the time. And Matt, thank you for your patience with me and letting me ramble on with things I'm excited about. That was Ed Welch on how we were created for a relationship with each other and with God himself. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, Created to Draw Near, Our Life as God's Royal Priest, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.